Welcome to the inaugural episode of the Sports Business Strategy Podcast. I am Will Item, Partnership Strategy Analyst with the Oklahoma City Thunder. And I'm Armand Alawalia, Manager of Business Analytics at the Kansas City Chiefs. And we started a podcast to talk about strategy, data, I don't know. I think so. I'd say let the data drive the conversation, but right now we don't have any data. So I think, yes, I think you're correct. We did it. So this is very exciting. Uh, Armand, you and I now have a podcast. I know. This is great. I mean, welcome to 2020 where everyone's got a podcast. Now we can add ourselves to the list. Yes. I started to get a lot of FOMO of all the other sports biz podcasts that are popping up. And all it takes is about eight months in isolation uh, living with your girlfriend to realize I need to talk to other people. That's great. Don't you think maybe you're missing something there in that statement? Uh, yes, yes. I love my girlfriend. Uh, these eight months have been bliss. I would uh, not change a thing. There you go. Now that we've got that settled, I think that we should give our listeners a little bit of an idea of how we met. Maybe talk about how this idea came to be and, and where. So did we meet at the uh, hashtag sports conference? That is the one that we met. Yeah, yeah. We And I, th- I think we both had kind of heard of each other in a weird way through different um, networks. You know, a mutual connection of ours is Matt Arton. I think we kind of rolled in the same circles of data analytics, partnerships. Um, and I think we're kind of, we kind of think the same way in, in, that, in that vein. And that's, I think, where it started. Yeah, well, I recognized you. Uh, you're good at brand building on LinkedIn. And so you read a lot of books, which I'm jealous of because I can't read. All I can do is listen to podcasts, uh, which is why we're here now. Well, I can't read either. I, 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 I fall asleep. I, literally, when I was in university, I, I fell asleep in my first year, first week, reading a history textbook. And all of my floor mates took everything out of my room while I was sleeping. And I woke up and they're like, what happened? I was like, oh my gosh, everything's gone. And so they put it back in. Basically, I fall asleep when I read. So I audiobooks have been actually extremely helpful for me. And so that's how I've been able to consume them so fast. I'm not this reading wizard. I, I, I am a terrible at that. Thank God. My girlfriend uh, is about to finish her 100th book this year, and it has made me feel inadequate. So that is good to know that you're also not. Yeah. (laughs) So that's how I knew you. Uh, What do we connect? Probably in June, uh, as is expected in the pandemic. Uh, All we're trying to do is get that human connection. So uh, yeah, so we connected. You were telling me about a really cool thing uh, about a partnership performance dashboard that you were doing with the Chiefs. I was jealous because I'm not doing that right now. Uh, and yeah, we just kept talking. Now we're finally doing it and it's here and we're, I'm definitely excited about this. Um, pumped to kind of get this going off the, off the ground and, and rolling. For all of us, you know, uh, Armand and I still really only know uh, each other for the last couple of months. Uh, other podcast hosts out there have got years of friendship. So him and I are still learning about each other, but I think that's good about this pod too, is that what we're basically going to be doing is interviewing others in the field that we have maybe loose connections with who are in strategy, analytics, data, and we want to learn about them as well too. Which I, I think is fair to say that we're both kind of, at least I can say this part, and maybe you don't agree with it necessarily, is like I'm enamored with really smart industry-leading people that think about things differently. I think- And that's why you're friends with me. Got it. Exactly. Exactly, Will. I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, all it takes is somebody to be in a different set of network, right? You know, they, they talk about your weak ties are some of your strongest in the sense that they don't run in the same circles. And sometimes whenever you're talking to the same people, you get the same kind of thoughts and philosophies, which is why 
I get so energized by talking with people outside of my network to understand what they're doing, to hear their perspective. And so I think that's hopefully what I think you and I are trying to accomplish with this a little bit is all it takes is for one thing for someone to say to potentially shift your perspective. So let's give our listeners an idea of what they're going to expect from each episode. Uh, as we already have in the episode title, we've got an interview with Brittany Ramos. She's the director of strategy uh, with the LA Rams. So we're definitely going to be having that as the meat of our podcast. The very beginning, uh, I don't know, we'll probably just shoot the shit, talk about things that are happening in sports that interest us. Does that sound right to you? Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think that's exactly right. I think you and I both feel that the guest or the interviewee will be the strongest part of the episode, right? I think if people want to skip the front and the end, that's up to them. I hope they don't. I hope they stick around. But I think it's one of those things where we'll probably do a pre-ramble in in the beginning, talk about some things that we're seeing in the industry, things we like, things that maybe are personally going on in our lives, whatever the case. But again, hopefully tying it all back into the, uh, the, the guest who is going to be the star of the show. Just so you are all aware, we're kind of winging it before we get to our interview. Uh, We might be talking about some best business practices that we see in sports. We might be talking about an article that we read. We might just be talking about our personal lives. And then maybe we make our judgments based on how many listens each episode got. So if there is an episode that you really like, listen to it like 10 times in a row. That way we know that is the style of this podcast that we should move forward with. Yeah, I think it's really important for the data to help us guide how we're going to do this podcast, right? With with any data strategy podcast, we're going to have to take results. Are we going to be doing surveys? Probably not. Maybe we will. Who knows? I mean, this this could go off the rails. Okay, let me ask you this uh, quick question on surveys. Likert scale, what are you? Are you a three, uh, five, or seven uh, touchpoint question for the Likert scale? The more answers you have the more sometimes giving people less choice is actually better. There shouldn't be 20 different choices of like pasta sauce. I am not saying 20. I am saying seven. Seven is the right number. Uh, I want you to decide whether you almost very strongly agree or almost very uh, are undecided. You sound so wishy-washy in the way that you're describing that. I I just want them to, to really tell me exactly how they feel the seven is where I'm at. Uh, this well, why not put nine? Why not put 11? Why not put 13 answers? Why not do a zero to 100 scale? That way then you can get exactly how you're feeling. My girlfriend says three. Uh, wow. I'm a monster for wanting seven and she's okay with five. I think the exact opposite. Three is irresponsible and she is a crazy person for thinking that you can get anything done with only three points on a Likert scale. So Three is crazy. That's like, that's not enough. So those are the things we might be talking about. Likert scales, who knows, whatever uh, piques our interest for the day. So like we mentioned, this is a very niche podcast where we are trying to be very specific, not generalization. Mm -hmm. If this episode gets a lot of listens, though, we will do our spinoff series where we do a whole podcast series on just Likert scales. So please let us know in the comments if you want to see a spinoff episode. We have no problem doing it. Right. There you go. Well, we are going to get to our interview with Brittany Ramos. We'll certainly learn about her and the work that she does with the Rams. It feels like we probably should at least let our listeners know a little bit about us in this first episode. So Armand, I'm going to put 60 seconds on the clock. Mm-hmm. You have 60 seconds to tell our listeners anything you want about yourself and go. All right. So uh, originally from Canada, Winnipeg, Manitoba, went to school on the East Coast of Canada, 
in at the University of at Dalhousie University in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Gosh, when you add a clock, it just makes things so much harder. However, we went back into came back to Winnipeg, worked for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on the food and beverage side, wanted to get my MBA, went to San Diego State, uh, did the sports MBA there, came to Kansas City, got an internship, got hired on been in the suite servicing department, been in the activation department, helped with sales strategy. And now I sit in between the sales and activation team, helping with partnership strategy, data, um, anything to do with reporting uh, for the partnership department. So how about that? I'll give you back 15 seconds there. That's a, that's a pretty quick thing. So yeah, you got 10 more seconds. You want to say like your favorite food or your favorite Netflix binge? Ooh, uh, favorite Netflix binge? Probably Amazon's anything to do with all or nothing or Netflix Drive to Survive probably right now idea what those things are okay and time all right <laughs> there you go okay great um I guess it's your turn now i guess i'll put 60 seconds on the clock and we'll do the exact same thing so will when you are ready 60 seconds starts now okay uh, originally born in nebraska uh moved to austin texas as soon as i graduated college because i was living in nebraska and i just needed to get out uh, spent six years in the service industry in Austin, went to Oregon for grad school where I got my MBA in sports business, represent Warsaw. Uh, from there, jumped back to Nebraska to work for Open Doors, a really great company, but was based in Nebraska. So moved down to Oklahoma City to work for the Thunder, did activation and partnerships for two years before I jumped over to the strategy side, uh, which is a new vertical in our partnership department as of this last year. Uh, so I am still learning as I go. And one time I saw a dead body. A dead body? What? <laughs> you still have 10 seconds left. What are you watching on Netflix? I, I will, oh, okay. I was going to say, I will talk about the dead body story. Like that'll be episode 100. If you guys listen. Oh my for gosh. I will tell you the time. I just This is why we haven't met. Just like Stand By Me. Exactly. It was amazing. All right. Well. In the interest of time, let's try to wrap this part of the conversation so we can get into our interview with Brittany Ramos of the Los Angeles Rams. All right, and joining us on the podcast now, we have Brittany Ramos with the LA Rams. Brittany, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Absolutely. Uh, well, Brittany, we always like to start our podcast the same way, uh, pretty traditional. Uh, Want to know about how you got to be where you are. So let's go ahead and get some work history out of the way. Uh, how did you end up uh, with the LA Rams? Yeah, so I have a very kind of complicated journey. I actually started my career in, in ticket sales and hospitality, and then I actually decided to dip my toes into partnership sales. So being on the sales side and realized I kind of had this thing for strategy and marketing. And I was a PR major in college. So I felt like sponsorship really kind of married my skill set of ticket sales and kind of my love for PR and marketing because they kind of, you know, go hand in hand. So started kind of getting into partnership sales, which was, you know, a great experience. And then again, kind of, as I mentioned, I felt like I ended up becoming, seeing more of the strategy and understanding the need for a department in strategy. So um, I was really lucky that uh, when I was at the Miami Dolphins, where I was prior, that they gave me the opportunity to kind of work with the individuals internally to try to build out a strategy team. And so we ended up kind of collaborating 
um, with my boss at the time and some others on, okay, how does this, how does this work? What does this look like? What are the roles? How did, how does our skill sets that we have attribute to a team like this? And then, um, really started to build it out and kind of sell it internally and then um, really grew it into a, a kind of full functioning department within the corporate partnerships team. So um, was really excited to kind of get my first hand in strategy there and, and really build it from the ground up with some great individuals and um, really taking the lead on, you know, how do we grow it? How do we continue to add team members? What are our roles? And as I mentioned, you know, kind of, again, becoming a, a well-oiled machine and, and doing a, you know, growing our revenue there, seeing kind of the fruits of our labor of putting this department together. Um, and so I, I kind of started becoming a, a somewhat, I wouldn't say expert in it, but just cre in creating this and, and what maybe the role could entail that um, when I came back to California, I had the great opportunity um, to kind of build the team again here and kind of build that out. And so, you know, again, it wasn't a journey where it was, I was always in strategy or I was always in analytics or I was always, you know, a specialist in something, but it, it really allowed me to kind of turn this into something real and turn strategy into something real within corporate partnerships. And so I was really lucky that the Rams were looking to, to grow their strategy team here in LA. And we had a lot of big projects that we were taking on. And so this seemed like a great fit um, for me professionally um, to take that next step in my career and take on some big projects, you know, with SoFi Stadium and, you know, all these other things that we have kind of coming on board here. So um, was really grateful to, to get the opportunity to build out the same kind of team here at the Rams and continue my passion for the strategy role and the strategy team um, within our corporate partnerships group. You know, when we talk to someone who's on corporate partnership sales, we kind of have an idea of what their structure is like. Same goes with activation or partnership marketing, as they say. But uh, we've noticed that a lot of people we talk to in strategy, their structure at their team varies depending on the types of properties they have. So for those who aren't as familiar with strategy, what does the, uh, the vertical look like for your strategy team? Yeah. And as you mentioned, you know, the strategy team in Miami is built differently than the, the strategy team here based upon, you know, just the personnel and the needs and kind of what the focus is on our projects. So, you know, right now here at the Rams, you know, we're very focused on driving new revenue and getting new partners for SoFi Stadium because it's a new building. Um, we just came through the transition of being at the Coliseum for the last four years. So, you know, our strategy focus has been a little bit more focused on kind of new revenue and driving new business, along with, again, a mixture of, of um, renewals as well, because we obviously want our partners who have been with us the last four years to come with us on the next part of the journey. But, you know, kind of how my team is currently set up is kind of a, a three vertical type of structure of um, myself. And then I have um, a manager of uh, partnership strategy who focuses on analytics and insights and managing our third party vendors and really running that day to day and, and working closely with our activation team on measuring ROI, et cetera. And then also from a, an, a proactive perspective with sales, you know, looking at insights and data as we're putting together proposals and, and different things, working with new partners. So um, really kind of building out that side of, of our department. Um, and then I also have a gentleman who focuses a little bit more on research and insights alongside of her 
um, to you know do some best practices research and um, again kind of be a, a support there. And then kind of my other vertical is really proposal development and and kind of categories and so forth. So it's you know I have a gentleman who focuses on all of our kind of proposal development, meeting with our sellers, creating creative, um, creating outlines for our proposals, really, you know, working on putting the structure together of our decks and working hand in hand with, a, with our creative team. And then also kind of focusing on kind of that, you know, since we are in a new business focus, like category segmentation and working on kind of our, our brand research and so forth. Those are what our, our immediate needs are for what we're doing going into the new stadium. Um, and I'm hopeful um, you know, after after COVID that my team will grow. Um, in Miami, you know, we had a, a much bigger, a little bit of a bigger team when I was there um, that allowed us to, to grow those different verticals. But, you know, I think really in strategy, you know, two of our biggest pillars are analytics and insights and then kind of proposal strategy, partnership strategy, and creative development. And then you kind of have an umbrella under almost each of those that kind of have these little subsections. And, you know, I'm very grateful to have some strong team members who really have pulled their weight and done an amazing job. That's uh, that's really interesting. I think, you know, having chatted with you, Brittany, ahead of time before, you know, in, in the past here, given that, you know, we work in the same, uh, in the same league in that sense. And what I think is great is that you've kind of set up your team for success, not only now with the kind of current needs that you have, but you you mentioned talking about those different verticals and trying to set it up with the intent to try to grow that. And I think, I think that's so great. But, you know, I think in, unless you have the right structure, it doesn't matter how many people you add. And so I think that's really, really great that you're, you're kind of heading that way right there. So I guess from that perspective, it sounds like you've got people working on very specific things. But Maybe what's one thing that maybe you're working on or you, that you've not been able to tackle, but now that you've got this great team under you with the strategy moving forward, what's one thing that you're kind of thinking, okay, now this is where I'm going to devote a majority of my time moving forward to enhancing the revenue, right? I think, you know, to have four people in your department or so thinking about revenue within partnerships is like a huge luxury, right? I mean, totally envious over here uh, in terms of how our setup is, but you know, your guys are like the aspirational goal, right? To kind of get to that level, which is awesome. So I guess, what are you thinking about in terms of how you are going to spend your time moving forward and what you see your role developing into in terms of a strategy perspective? So, you know, I think what the challenge is, and, and you guys all face it, and I think as strategy, we we face it a lot, is that we're, we're we're pulled in a lot of different directions. We work on a lot of different things. We have a lot of different roles. We wear a lot of different hats, which is a blessing and a curse at times. And I think, you know, for me, even in my in my conversation this morning was, I'd love to really be able to dig myself deeper into things versus being so widespread and so in the weeds on so many things where I feel like I don't always get to dig as deep into projects that I, I really think could, you know, not only help my team or help our team as a core partnerships team, but also organizationally. Something I would love to do more of is, you know, we're we're really a startup, right? We've been in LA for four years. We have a lot of new people. We have people from all different industries and in all parts of the, the world, the country, and we're very grateful to have a lot of that. But that's still, there's still a foundation to still be built. There's still things to grow. 
and something that I'm very passionate about. And I was very passionate about it even in my time in Miami is just building out stronger platforms, building out, you know, things, whether it's building our platform out more, whether it's building out our STEM programming, whether it's building out that are not only beneficial to our organization, but also for us for a sponsorship opportunity. Like I want to be able to build an awesome, sorry, not STEM anymore, STEAM program where, you know, we can have multiple partners a part of it and we're driving revenue from it, but also it's an incredible community initiative and it's awesome for our market and what we're doing and, you know, the companies that we have here. I think you know, I would love to start really again, and that there are many others I, I would definitely like to work on as well. But I think building those things out, not only into sellable revenue opportunities are, is an awesome thing, but also for the organization itself to have, you know, that marketing can build off of it, that, you know, all media can build off of it. Like it becomes almost another vertical within your organization, almost like another work stream that has a lot of benefits long term. And I think, I think, I think that's, that's awesome. And I think you made a very specific kind of crucial point is that, you know, at the end of the day, your department is targeted with kind of growing revenue. And a lot of times, sometimes the strategy, I think, and kind of, this kind of is another positive to how you've kind of set up your team is that instead of being reactive, you are being proactive. And I think that is ultimately where a lot of people want to get to. That is the goal. Thinking about not only just slapping a logo, right? Because no one wants that. Everyone wants these natural integration where it makes sense. And so I think that's awesome. Yeah, exactly. And I, I love the idea of building out platforms. I was having a conversation with another about this earlier today. So I'm curious what your approach is to this. When it comes to creating one of those big platforms that you can sell to a partner, what is your first approach to figuring out what this platform will look like? When I look at platforms, obviously internally, I look at needs. Like I'd love for us to, to build out a, a cheer platform. You know, we have a great cheer dance team and you know, we're in Los Angeles, which is lifestyle, influencer, dance, music. And we have a team that, again, does a lot more of their traditional kind of aspects of it, of meet and greets and obviously, you know, game day and things like that. But I look at that as an opportunity to grow that into an incredible platform that, you know, again, encompasses a lot of the things that are important to our market as well. So I look at kind of what we're doing in the community and some of our different pillars, and I'd love to grow some of those um, a little bit bigger and, and more sponsorship revenue generated focus, which again is not a knock on any of those teams. It's not their job to think about sponsorship revenue at the end of the day. It's our job to think about that. So I, I kind of look at it at three buckets, low hanging fruit of like cheer, um, you know, kind of looking through community, there's teams, salute to service, there's all these things. And then, you know, do you want to build a membership platform with your season ticket member base? Like, do you want to, you know, all these things that you can create internally, right, that are missing. So that's like low hanging fruit, but also, okay, like for us in the NFL, we also have low hanging fruit of, we have marquee moments, right? Draft platform. Do we have a kickoff for football? Do we have a crucial catch platform? Do we have all these things or any of those things built out? Do we have anything that's sponsorable that's able to drive revenue? So there's kind of that vertical. And then I think kind of the third vertical is that external vertical, which is a little bit of a combination of a few things, which I think is market driven, right? I think in LA, there's some things that kind of stand out in our market, right? Lifestyle, music, culture, 
fashion, all of these things that are very market responsive because they're very important to our fan base. Um, and then you look at kind of best practices, you know, whether you look on, you know, your sponsor United's or you're on these best practices call with the league. And I think, you know, I've been very grateful because I, you know, KSE is a very big family. So I talk a lot to our Denver affiliates and Arsenal and things like that. So I get an opportunity to kind of pick brains and pick your guys' brains because I know I've done that as well. So, you know, I think there's always obviously that kind of third bucket of external inspiration and seeing and also kind of culturally driven, right? Like what's going on in the world right now? Like as at the Rams, we did a very big voting platform that we invested a lot in. We did a lot of focus on it. We did a lot of marketing around it and things like that. So that was in tune with the time, right? Of what's going on in culture. So with that in mind, let's do a replay of a KSE LA Rams deal. I'm going through Sponsor United and I see Rocket Mortgage affiliated with the LA Rams. Stands out to me because I typically see them in Cleveland or Detroit with the Dan Gilbert Association and also in Phoenix uh, as they have offices there. So would love to hear how the Rocket Mortgage deal came about and how strategy had a hand in it. Yeah, you know, that was a really fun one to be a part of. And and we're lucky that their brand is innovative and fun and, you know, and really aligns with a lot of the things that we want to do from a brand standpoint. We obviously have open categories and that being one of them. And we had a salesperson who wanted to reach out, did, made the relationship um, on the while he was kind of reaching out. We wanted to try to be proactive, obviously, and that's what strategy we try to do and, you know, utilizing some of our tools and understanding, you know, who, what are our season ticket members? Are they qualified buyers? Are they homeowners? You know, how many, are they families? You know, do they buy family homes? Are they renters? What I love about strategy is we're always trying to put the pieces together is like what really positions us into a way to really craft a a nice, kind of story into where our alignment reaches between both of our brands. And so looking at some of the data we found, you know, what is, you, you have your kind of top line data, right, of, you know, average household income, et cetera, but, you know, kind of trying to dig deeper into purchasing power and and any things that we saw, for example, where are our season ticket members or even just our fans located? Because, you know, we are here in kind of Silicon Beach where there's a lot of new money, new homeowners, people like being able to move into new locations because they have all these nice little fancy tech jobs over there that allow them to kind of go into that next phase of their life. So I think for us, you know, when we wanted to paint the picture of our market and the picture of our fans, we wanted to tell a lot of those different stories, right? Of like, yeah, our household income isn't just this. We have fans and season ticket members like looking at their area codes, like our season ticket members, like top area codes of where they live. And so we were able to paint like, where are the different residential areas? You know, what is the buying habits in those areas? Kind of where strategy is really helpful for our sellers is that kind of like old school sponsorship, it was really like kind of the art of the sale and, you know, kind of, I wouldn't say making, not making things up, but, you know, just kind of saying like, yes, you should definitely partner with us. We're great. We're the NFL. We've got wonderful fans. You know, we have great fans. You know, there was no, there was no science to it. And I think what strategy brings, which I think is so special is that balance of art and science. Here's our alignment. Here is the ROI, but like really proving ourselves, you know, versus just saying, 
yeah, we think we're great. We're the NFL and we're, we're the Rams or we're whoever. We're a professional team. Partner with us because you should want to. It's like, no, this is why you should. And these are these are the examples and these are the case studies in which I can deliver to you to show that value and to show that we should be partnered together. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really good way to kind of outline, I think, where the industry is shifting, right? I think businesses are getting smarter. And I think with the current economy, the way that it is, people are being held to spend every dollar and understand where every dollar is going. And so I think what you're talking about is great in the sense that Yes, there is some relationship needed. It's not all just science, that it is a mixture of the both. And so I think that's a really good point that I think you know people will hopefully resonate with. And hopefully this is the shift to the new normal where people are being strategic about, okay, we're going to earn your money. Here's how we're going to show you what we can do. And this is why, and this is how, and being very strategic about it, which I think is great. And I think that was a wonderful answer there. And I don't know if you guys are seeing it where you are, but less entitlements. To your point, back in the day, sponsoring a club space and sponsoring, having that sign was so valuable and important to a lot of brands, where now I feel like that's almost becoming an additive versus being the standout. You know, I feel partners are more interested in their activation plans out inside the stadium still, of course, like because game day is so important. There's so much emotion and hand-to-hand marketing that can happen. But they're really, I feel like entitlements are now becoming more of an additive versus kind of the star of the proposal, where in a couple of years ago, that was the star of the proposal and everything else was the additive. So I felt, I feel like it's been a, such a switch and change in partner priorities and brand priorities, which has been seen on the strategy side and where I feel like we've become really helpful to our sales team and our activation team is that we're able, because we are able to think of these bigger platforms and programs and so forth, that isn't as stressful when a partner is like, hey, you know, for me, I'm, I'd rather focus on kind of more of this holistic platform versus just owning a club entitlement. And I think we're now more equipped to support those conversations and have those conversations than in the past where it was like, what do you mean a platform? What do you mean? Like, it's all about the club. Like, you know, it's all about your sign and it's all about like that fancy name on the building versus now I feel like partners are so much more focused on the program and the campaign holistically versus just kind of that one dimensional focus on a quote unquote entitlement piece. All right, let's talk about assets. Uh, you know, we all know that every salesperson has that one asset that they just want to put in every single deal because they think it'll be good for the partner. Uh, I'm sure strategy is the same way. Yeah. Uh, so, Brittany, is there like an undervalued asset or is there just an asset that you just want every salesperson to put in a deal because you'd love to see a partner attached to it for what it could do for them? Yeah, so I have two. My first one, and it's funny because this is what we're doing, but I think that podcast even though they are kind of an experiment right now for teams, a lot of teams, you know, because I don't feel like everybody's kind of figured out how to monetize podcast yet, which is kind of what I like about it, right? I think there's a a canvas for us to kind of be unique in how do we integrate partners into podcasts. I think 
podcasts are becoming more and more popular. I think, you know, myself, I listen to uh, a few podcasts. I think our fans or just people in general are always looking to consume content. And I think that this is another one of, of that people are so much more excited about consuming nowadays. And so I think like for me, I'd love for podcasts to be a little bit more integrated into pitches and how do we get creative with them? How do we, whether it's, you know, we have at the Rams five currently, and, you know, they're all kind of differentiated with different types of topics and audiences and things like that. So, you know, how do we get our partners excited about that asset? How do we make it a more valuable content? How do you value it? You know, it's not a traditional that is measured and things like that. So I feel like we're always kind of putting our finger in the air with, I think this sounds right, but I'm not sure, you know? So I think it's going to be something that I would love to challenge anybody on strategy with is if you have best practices there, I think it's something that we're all trying to kind of figure out as we look at how do we kind of grow our content portfolio for partners um, and something I would love to tackle a little bit more. And then my second one, I know you only said one, but I want to sneak in a third one. I'll allow it. Um, influencer marketing. I mm. love to utilize influencers. And it's not even, you don't always have to have an A plus celebrity as an influencer, but how do you create micro influencers that can be helpful? Because this is the thing. You don't always have access to players, which we all know and we all struggle with, right? We always don't have access to other talent and things like that. But, you know, what are, we do have access to influencers, whether they're micro influencers who may be, you know, avid fans and season ticket members who have great followings or just have a great community that they've built, you know, whether it's your, um, you know, your Facebook groups of super fans who, you know, have really strong voices and can be my influencers. Like, how do you optimize your, your team Facebook um, community and group, um, you know, and how or fan groups? And how do you tap into kind of maybe your local influencers within your own cities and states who have, you know, voices and they may not have 20 million followers, but they have strong affinities and avid fans who follow them that have great influence. So for me, I'm always thinking through, you know, yes, in LA, do we have, we're very blessed to have some influencers who are kind of that A level, but something that I've been trying to work with our team here and our marketing team is who also are those micro influencers and how can we create a strategy around that? Because brands are always, always, always challenged with figuring out influencer marketing and how to do it right. And I think if we can give them an opportunity to have that option of having that as an asset within their program with us, even more local influencers, right? That maybe don't have that national scale, but have a really, really, like, for example, we did a collaboration with Born and Raised, who is an LA streetwear brand that here in LA is very, very well known and very notable. It may not be as notable in New York or other markets, but here their influence is so strong. So partnering with them on a collaboration was so impactful here in our local community because they're such influencers here in this market. Absolutely. Those are two really great examples of underutilized assets. And with that, let's go and wrap up this interview by ending the same way we do with all of our interviews. And it's by using the quote from Charlie Tremendous Jones, which is, you will be the same person five years from now as you are today, except for the books you read and the people you meet. So Brittany, 
what book can you recommend to our listeners? And maybe what's one piece of advice you've received in the past five years that would also be beneficial? Yeah. So it's so funny because it's actually right in front of me. So I'll start with the book. So one of my favorite books is called The Energy Bus by John Gordon. And it was given to me actually when I started at Madison Square Garden and um, my boss at the time, Marsha Steinberg, who is an awesome woman in sports, um, gave this to our group. And it's it's not necessarily cheesy, but it's it's a little it's an easier read, right? And I think it really changed my perspective not only on work but on life. And I actually make all of my teams read it now. That um, you know, it's really what I think is important in the sports industry and just in general is creating a positive environment um, for your teammates to thrive in, for you to thrive in. Um, the energy bus is all about how to really create this. Because what we do is really stressful. It's very strenuous. And you guys both know, you know, we're not a nine to five. Our our hours are crazy. Our demands are crazy. You know, we don't have a normal work-life balance as much as we would like to try. We don't have one. And, you know, it can cause a lot of stress. It can cause a lot of, you know, stress and negativity and pressures. And so, you know, my goal as a leader and my goal for my team is always to create a positive environment to be in. You'll apply a lot of the different rules that they have in the book. Um, for example, I'll, I'll say one rule, which is yeah, you deal with uh, what they call energy vampires. And I'm probably sure you can identify somebody in your life who is an energy vampire where you step into a room and you automatically get this sense of, oh, God, I don't want to deal with this today, or oh, what are they going to say, or how are they going to react, or you know, you have these energy vampires in your life, and being able to identify those people, being able to what this book helps you with is how do you work with those people to not make them energy vampires anymore, or it's okay to kind of separate yourself from them um, and how to do that um, because that affects you when you have energy vampires who are taking your energy. Um, that changes your mood, that changes your productivity, that changes everything from your work life to your personal life. I mean, think about when you're having a day where you have to interact with an energy vampire and you go home and you're like, oh God, I just like, I just had to deal with this or so-and-so. And like, I just, it was, you know, you just, it changes your entire evening sometimes, right? So it really, A, helps you hopefully not be one of those people, but B, how to deal with, you know, a lot of things that we deal in a very high stressed environment um, and to kind of like be able to, to work through those things. So it's an easy read. It's very small. I very much encourage everybody to read it. It will change your perspective on a lot of things, which I think we sometimes need a perspective check every once in a while. A great recommendation. That's The Energy Bus by John Gordon. We'll put the book in our show notes. And with that, we're good to go. She's the director of strategy with the LA Rams. Brittany Ramos, thanks for joining us. Appreciate you guys having me. Really enjoyed our conversation and look forward to hopefully coming back. Thanks again to Brittany Ramos from the Los Angeles Rams for joining us on the inaugural episode of the Sports Business Strategy Pod. We will be back in two weeks on Thanksgiving Thursday with our next guest, Ryan Bashara of LAFC. Tune in, rate, and subscribe.